Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Today is Friday, July 30th, 2021. Coming up on Roland Martin on the field to broadcasting live from University Baptist Church here in Austin, Texas. This is where uh, the marchers for the March for Democracy ended uh, their 27-mile journey. 
tomorrow. They head to the state capitol for a massive rally that we'll be covering live here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. We'll show you also some of today's news conference uh, that featured uh, a number of people, including Reverend Dr. William J. Barbara, B- Barbara Arnwine, uh, Reverend uh, Leah Theo Harris, uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr., and Beto O'Rourke. Also on uh, today's show, a lot of people are going to be facing eviction uh, notices very soon as a result of uh, COVID, what the White House is now trying to extend to give them some aid. Here in Texas, you have uh, Greg Abbott, the governor, of course, doing his part to make excuses for targeting migrants in this state and using COVID as his cover. Shameful and despicable. Uh, Also uh, on today's show, uh, we'll have an update on the arrest of Nakia Trigg, uh, the woman who was accosted in Mississippi where a cop laid literally on top of her to detain her. Uh, Also, uh, the Aurora uh, police officer. Oh, yeah. Remember we showed you the body cam video uh, of him beating an unarmed black man? Well, guess what? That cop has quit. Yeah. No shock there from that thug. Uh, And guess what? The uh, widow of the Haitian president, Jovenel Moise, his wife says she may run for president. Also, in our Education Matters segment, uh, we'll talk with uh, Congressman Jamal Bowen about the Green New Deal for public schools. Folks, it is time to bring the funk from hot Austin, Texas. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. All right, folks, welcome to Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasted live from University Baptist Church here in Austin, Texas. This is where uh, the marchers of the 27-mile sojourn from Georgetown, Texas, uh, to Austin ended up today. And everything started off, y'all can go ahead and go to our, our drone shot uh, if you have, you see it there. Uh, everything started off uh, here uh, at uh, the North Austin uh, Muslim Community uh, Service. Uh, sorry, folks, there. we uh, looks like we... Uh, uh, lost the the, uh, the shot there so we're going to go ahead and get that back uh, and so this is where I, I think we ha- should have it now um, this is where everything started uh, at the North Austin Muslim Community uh, Center uh, in North Austin. That's where we, of course, were yesterday as well. Uh, we had an opportunity to do the show from there yesterday. Uh, what they did was thousands of people actually wanted to march, but they purposely limited the number of marches to 125 per shift due to COVID restrictions. Uh, that was from Reverend Dr. William Barber. And what they did was everyone who marched had to be vaccinated. They also had social distancing. You saw the distance that took place uh, there uh, with the marchers. And so that's one of the things that uh, that, that, that happened uh, today. And so, uh, as I said, they traveled from they traveled from um, from uh, that church to 
into the city uh, to University uh, Baptist Church. This is where uh, we ended up. Of course, uh, they were uh, a rowdy bunch, if you will, uh, chanting uh, along the way, singing um, movement songs, freedom songs. And so all of those things were actually happening. Uh, during the course of uh, the day. It took us about uh, six hours or so uh, to travel the distance, stopped uh, several different times. Uh, and, of course, if you want to see the full uh, march, you can simply go to our YouTube channel where you'll see that we were broadcasting the march uh, all throughout uh, from beginning to end. Uh, and so a uh, great job uh, here uh, with our crew. Uh, of course, uh, we had um, uh, got Henry Peterson, Anthony uh, Hampton and Reggie Hopkins and so folks uh, we've been um, uh, up up late up early uh, covering this we got one more day which is tomorrow and so like I said everything ended up here at University Baptist Church uh, and that was a news conference that also took place where a number of, of folks uh, spoke uh, at the particular news conference uh, and so we wanted to uh, share uh, some of that with you allow me to set it up please uh, I was literally editing uh, up until the last second and so here we go when it wants to the rules always get changed and if we hadn't break broken filibuster we wouldn't have a civil rights law that's how we got they broke the filibuster but now then it was a courage at least you had to stand on the floor and defend it right this is a coward filibuster that's right ain't no courage in it any man or woman that calls themselves a man or woman should be ashamed to stand behind it's weak yes it's puny huh but we putting Supreme Court justices on the Supreme Court for life with 51 votes. That's right. We passed the COVID relief bill, which we should have, with 51 votes. Yes. They're talking about a reconciliation infrastructure bill with 51 votes. Yeah. Well, if all of that can be done with 51 votes, uh -huh. you can save this democracy and voting rights with 51 yeah. votes. You can pass living wages with, vote, with 51 votes. You can, you can ensure the justice for our immigrants with 51 votes. Yeah. You can stop going to John Lewis's damn grave and saying you love him, but you won't stand for what he fought for while he was living. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm sick and tired of the pettiness all up on people's graves. Let me tell you, politicians, I don't know why the Spirit's on me like this, but let me tell you, politicians, what the Bible says. Woe unto those who love the tombs of the prophets. When the prophets are alive, you, you claim you won't stand with them. John Lewis is still alive. Because the 40 people's act it still has his ink on it. And no senator should ever go to another memorial of John Lewis or Dr. King oh. or Rabbi Heschel yes. if you have not attached your signature to this bill yes, and saved the heart of yes, this democracy. Yes. Brother Beto. Our democracy is in peril. Right. We have fewer voting rights today than we did because of uh, preclearance and all of these uh, changes, voting abridgment, than we did 56 years ago. We live in a nation that has the wherewithal to end poverty immediately, and yet there are 140 million people who live in poverty or, or one emergency, one storm, one health care crisis, That's right. one job loss from it. 32 million workers in this nation could have enough 
to thrive, not just barely survive, if we were to per put the minimum federal, the federal, federal. minimum wage right. up to $15 an hour. And so we see this attack on our democracy and the, the lack of economic justice happening in this, the richest country in the world, as a moral abomination. Yes. And it's been powerful to march these 27 miles with the people of Texas. Yes. And I am here to tell you, people are ready That's for right. a moral resurrection. That's yeah. right. That's people right. are That's ready right. to save the soul of this democracy. And Reverend Liz always reminds us of those numbers. In Texas, there are 12.6 million poor and low-wealth people in this state. Five million that make less than $15 an hour. In 2016, the presidential election was decided by 800,000 votes. 2.7 million poor and low-wealth people did not vote or were suppressed in mm. one way or the other. 30% mm. of the electorate is now poor and low-wealth. It wasn't that way in 68, Dr. That's right. Rem Rem Jeff. 30, 30%, 65 million. In 15 states, including southern states, the poor and low-wealth people who are already registered to vote, not new registered, already registered, would vote at 1 to 22% higher they could turn states from Michigan all the way to Texas. But any voter suppression undermines that. And then that undermines policies like living wages and health care. Now, there's a sister, Freddie Haynes and I were talking about her the other day. She's about six, seven. About six, seven when it comes to constitutional law. Throughout the entire day and was with me when we were all arrested, right? That's right. On Monday. On Monday. And was arrested himself on last Thursday. Daryl Jones is also one of the pillars of our movement for justice. Well, I want to just say two things really quickly. One, the president of the United States has to stand up in this moment. He cannot say this is about what some senators may not want to vote for. He has to bring his power to say that you got to vote. He has to say, oh, Schumer, no recess. You haven't even done your job. You don't deserve a recess until you save our democracy. Until you put the Florida People Act on the, his desk. He should say nothing happens until I have this bill on my desk and I sign it. Nothing less is acceptable. The other thing I want to say is that the people of this nation are rising up. They're not sitting back and taking some kind of okey-doke. They're not saying that you can destroy the democracy, that my father, who was a proud Texan, that they fought for? That's right. That my grandfather, who was a proud Texan, fought for? You can't do that. We're going to keep fighting until we free to vote. 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 Black people, brown people, women and children. Since the summer march, we've gone from four black homes to the six going from two Latino congressmen to 45, 25 Asians. We are more representative of the democracy today than we were at that time. The bridge experiment was uh, Bloody Sunday, 
well, the dramatic dimension. Here is not just a drama, it's a trauma of losing what we've gained. Uh, and, and it says, uh, if, if Lyndon Johnson, he did, he did the right moral thing. Now, Biden has to do the Bible thing. If we lose, he loses. We lose, democracy loses. We win, democracy wins, everybody wins. And everybody wins, and there are no losers, because including these growth and growth, growth, everybody wins. Thank you. I gotta tell you, we, we are so lucky to be in the presence of so many courageous Texans and Americans who've walked these 27 miles over the last three days, who are helping to bring attention and focus, not just from across this state, but from across this country, to the most important issue before us. The fact that our democracy is being attacked unlike any other time in this country's history since the Civil War. That's exactly what the President of the United States recently said in Philadelphia. What he has not said, and, and what we have the power to say now for him, and hopefully to get him to say, is that the next step of political courage is yes. to make sure that we get the For the People Act through the Senate. As Bishop Barber said, they've made exceptions to the filibuster for fast-track trade deals. You can pass them on a 51-vote majority. Yes, sir. Right. For budget deals, 51-vote majority. Right. For Supreme Court judges, 51-vote yes, majority. Right. For federal judges, 51-vote majority. Speak. We're asking for just one more exception, a 51-vote majority for voting rights legislation. If we fail at this moment of truth, we do not just fail the Democratic Party or That's the Republican right. Party or the generation alive today. We fail this country and every generation that follows ours because Abraham Lincoln called yeah. us this the last best hope of Earth. And we have inherited the struggle and the sacrifice of everyone who has come before us. And we either make the most of it now at this moment of truth or we squander it forever. The folks on this march and even more of them who are coming tomorrow, 10 a.m. in front of the state capitol to rally for the right to vote. These people will not be found wanting or lacking in courage at this moment of truth. In fact, we are trying to give the president the power That's he right. needs to make this his undying, unyielding, uninterrupted focus until we pass the For the People Act, get voting rights in this country, and protect American democracy for the next generation. That's what we're here to do. Now, folks, at today's news conference, at today's news conference, uh, I did ask Reverend Dr. William Barber. With regards to this whole issue of the White House not meeting with Texas House Democrats, what do you thought about that? Remember, just yesterday, we had Representative Collier and Representative Sophronia Thompson who told us at the White House, well, President Joe Biden had yet to meet with those 50-plus Texas House Democrats. Vice President Kamala Harris has a couple of times, but not President Joe Biden. Listen to what Reverend Barber said in response to my question. President Biden ought to put him on Air Force One, fly him to Texas, have a meeting on Air Force One, the matter, the, 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 uh, the, to, uh, that's federal land, right? Huh? There, the constables here, they come on there and get them, and then have a rally with them, a meeting with them, and then go back with them to the well of the Congress and have those those Texas legislators sitting right there in the front. He's got to, because they have power, and he has more power than he's using. Yeah. He's got more power. I, I, I had a chance before he was elected, I, I'll get you, Reverend, 
I had Mark before he was elected. I did a uh, Easter program with him on his podcast, and I said to him, "What your community is, what you think, what your political consultants might be telling you is possible, is going to fundamentally change through this pandemic." You check the record. I said this pandemic is going to open up pain and expose pain, poverty pain, race pain in a way that will give you an opportunity because you can see it. This fight for voting rights and the fact that the filibuster has already been used to block part of the COVID relief plan that would have lifted 32 million people, the people who got, we had to go to work first, got sick first, got infected first and died first, and now is threatening the democracy. I said to him, you will have your LGBT, L, L, Lyndon Baines Johnson, Kennedy Lincoln moment presented to you. Said this in March, Jesse. I don't know why the spirit says say that. He wasn't even president. He wasn't even elected. I wasn't even, I hadn't even endorsed him. I said, but I believe if you get to be president, you're going to have a moment delivered to you. And the question is going to be, what do you do with that moment? Go to West Virginia, Mr. President. We love you enough to tell you this. Meet with those folk, those 79% of West Virginians that say Manchin is wrong. 81% of Democrats. Go to Arizona. Push cinema. Meet with the Latino community, the black community, the white community, the gay community. Put those folk on a plane. Come to Texas. Have a meeting right out here on the, in the airport. Fly them right back. And when you go back, already have Pelosi and Schumer inviting you to the well of the Congress. And I guarantee you, if you take this to the well of the Congress, it will well up a sentiment of resurrection and transformation in this country. And you will be able to do more than you even think you can do now. But you got to give the leadership. All right, folks, let's go to my panel. Uh, joining me right now is uh, Dania Joseph. She's the immigrants' rights activist. Uh, glad to have her on the show, Brittany Lee Lewis. Uh, she is a political analyst. Uh, and Michael Imhotep, host of the African History Network. All right, Ms. Joseph, I've been trying to get you on the show for quite some time. We finally got you on our panel. Glad to have you here. Uh, let's talk about that that last point I, I raised. Uh, let's just say um, after the news conference, literally right after, uh, a phone call uh, came into Reverend Jackson's cell phone from the White House. Uh, and uh, they were, um, I won't say they were happy to hear what Reverend Barber described in terms of the pressure putting on, but uh, they clearly were listening and got the message. And you're seeing that now. You're seeing uh, Senator Chuck Schumer say that uh, he may not allow them to go on recess. He may keep them in to vote on this bill. The external pressure that is being brought to bear is working because it is forcing these Democrats to reckon with the unrest in the streets on the issue of voting. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's time. You know, this idea that there isn't more that could be done is preposterous, right? We are living in 2021. We're not living in the 1950s and the 1960s of the civil rights movement. And so this idea that the Biden administration couldn't meet, I mean, yes, you mentioned Vice President Kamala Harris did, but this idea that the president couldn't, why is that, right? This is one of the quintessential issues that is impacting us in this country today. Voter suppression 
oppression is real. This idea that black and brown and indigenous people, communities of color that have been historically disenfranchised are currently under attack again, because we've always been. So why not find the time? Why must we take, you know, take into the streets, right? Take into the streets is always a good idea. Dr. King said, riding is the voice of the oppressed, right? When we are oppressed and feel as though there's no other channels, that's what we do. We take to the streets. But I feel like it shouldn't have even gotten to that point. Voter suppression is a real issue that's impacting us in 2021, not just in Texas, but in Georgia and other states across the nation. This should have been one of the administration's first things that they did on day one, because during the campaign cycle, we saw a host of promises that was being made time and time again. We saw John Lewis's name, may he rest in peace, being uplifted over and over again by individuals who otherwise wouldn't have supported his life's work and much of the things that he fought for in regards to voting rights. And so when you hear Reverend Barber say that, right, he literally said that, that there's individuals who are invoking the name of Dr. King, Ralph Abernathy, John Lewis. Um, you know, we have different people that are being uplifted, but yet you don't want to keep their legacies alive, right? It's time that the president meets with these individuals who are on the ground, whether that be politicians, activists, and organizers, or just invested Americans who do not want to see their right to vote be infringed upon. That meeting should have happened yesterday. The thing here, Michael, that uh, is, is is quite interesting um, is President Biden has not called uh, these holdout Democratic senators to the White House to specifically talk about the voting for the People Act, the John Lewis Act. They keep talking about also this John Lewis Voting Act. The problem is it hasn't been written. Right. So what the hell are we talking about if we don't even know what, what, what is in it? And so essentially what Democrats are doing is they're negotiating against themselves on this uh, For the People Act vote. We're hearing, and now they're talking about remove the dark money provisions uh, out of the bill and some things along those lines. What Barbara and others are saying is, no, you fight for every single element that's in the bill, and if you have to give up something, you do it at the, at the absolute last minute. You don't do it at the beginning of a, a conversation. Yeah, you know, uh, so so there there are different aspects of this, and there's a there's a time element also because you have um, the in September we know that the federal budget runs out. You're going to have a debate over the debt ceiling. We know that uh, August recess is coming up now. Schumer is signaling that he uh, may suspend the August recess, which I think he should. Uh, at the same time, we know that the House goes on recess, uh, I think is I think it, either today or next week, something like the House goes on recess. So you have all these different dynamics. Um, if you have to remove the dark money provisions and things like that to get the bill passed, then come you get that bill passed now and then come back and get those other parts later. Uh, you, you, you know, th this... It, this is really – you have a lot of moving pieces, and this is really complicated. And, and one of the things that the this march is doing is shedding – like, because I've been covering this march. I've been talking about it for, for the past two days on my show as well, letting my people know about it also. Um, mainstream media is starting to talk about it more. I saw more coverage yesterday. Um, 
But one thing that I see still missing, and we've talked about that here on this show, Roland, one, one element that's a powerful element that I still see that's missing is corporations are still very silent on what's taking place. I agree with what you're talking about and pressure on um, Biden and Biden should step up more and things like this. And uh, Biden has uh, signaled that he supports uh, a standing filibuster as opposed to the filibuster now, all that. But um, I see that corporations are still very silent. Also, um, I see uh, with this movement here in the Poor People's Campaign, and, and, and to me, Reverend William Barber is a modern-day Dr. King, uh, I see them expanding the conversation to beyond just African-Americans. This is something that we've talked about here. And it, because this impacts everybody, college students, the elderly, the 38 million disabled Americans who are registered to vote, they're going to be impacted by this. This impacts Latin, Latinos, Asian-Americans, Native Americans, LGBTQ. Uh, I'm wondering where the Me Too women are. No offense to any Me Too women, the white Me Too women especially. They were very vocal a couple few weeks ago when Bill Cosby got out of prison, but they're very silent now. This affects everybody. So, um, and, and lastly, Roland, this is uh, not just a 15th Amendment issue, because we associate the Voting Rights Act of 1965 with the 15th Amendment, but this is also a 19th Amendment issue, because uh, white women didn't get the right to vote to 1920, the 19th Amendment, but this is also rolling a 26th Amendment issue of 1971. The 26th Amendment lowered the minimum voting age from 21 to 18. So this impacts everybody, all right? So uh, they need, we, we have to continue the pressure. We saw Representative Sheila Jackson Lee just got arrested yesterday at the Senate Hart Building. So we have to continue this pressure. But yeah, Biden, I think Biden has to step up as well. And he should meet with those Democrats from Texas also. Well, well look, look, Brittany, the, the thing that, again, is pressure, pressure, pressure. It has to be relentless. It has to be mm -hmm. constant. That's what we've learned from many of the movements uh, historically, especially the Black Freedom Movement. It simply cannot, will not get done by inside conversations. It's not going to happen that way. Absolutely, Roland, and you, and you hit the nail on the head. Nothing has ever been easily handed to us, and the very notion of freedom and, and so many of the things that, quote-unquote, come with democracy have been made possible um, because of us saying no and because of us marching and fighting and putting that pressure. Um, you know, even thinking about, finally, right, these marches getting picked up by mainstream media, um, and, and they're hearkening this back, essentially, to the civil rights era and the landmark Alabama voting rights march from Selma Mont Montgomery in 1965. And, and, you know, some are claiming that this is essentially an extension um, of that march moment and of that fight, and they're right. And I pray that that perspective and this pressure that we're putting on um, puts a fire not only under Biden, um, but under our legislators. And, you know, Reverend Barber is just so important to this, and he's constantly speaking truth to power because they've made so many exceptions to the filibuster for so many things. And we know that—and uh, I also love the point that he made about John Lewis's grave. You know, don't, don't visit his grave right. if you're not going to defend the principles that he stood for. Um, and we know that this is not just a Black issue. Issue. We know that this, and Reverend Barber also reminds us that this is an American issue. This is a black, white, brown, yellow issue, and it is a moral cause that we have to stand up for. Not to mention the fact we know that the Constitution, the 15th Amendment, says no one, no state or entity can deny us the right to vote. And more than 56 million Americans use different processes to vote other than going in person on Election Day. So, and the fact that we have legislators fighting tooth and nail on some false
false claim that hasn't been proven that there is election fraud is absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, we need to end the filibuster. We need to pass all of the provisions in the For the People Act. And I hope Biden uh, continues or, or I hope Biden takes this call seriously, because I think if he doesn't, it's going to have serious consequences moving forward for him and all of us. You know, Denia, um, the, when I think about history, when I think about A. Philip Randolph and President Franklin Eleanor Roosevelt, when I think about um, Truman, when I think about Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, I can go, I can go even further back. Uh, black civil rights leaders were applying a level of pressure. Abraham Lincoln didn't just... They go, oh, he's a great emancipator. No, no, no. He was getting his ass whooped by Frederick Douglass. And that's the thing that I think we have to always remember, that we've had leadership that was not willing to capitulate and be happy with an invite to a meeting. They understood that they had to come back to their people uh, with some actual action. Otherwise, all they got was some nice words tea and cookies uh, at a nice, cute White House luncheon. Right. This is about accountability, right? I think people are sick and tired of the age-old, let's just have a meeting, a photo opportunity immediately after that, and then we see nothing come out of it. Much like the immigrant rights movement and what we've been seeing for that fight, we're ready for action, right? If this is something that is done via a campaign promise, it's not enough that once folks get into office, those promises are forgotten and then there's no action until close to the midterm elections where we want to see people be reelected and we want to see those numbers in the House and the Senate, right? It's time for us to be able to have the legislation that provides the protections for the voter rights measures that we have across the nation. And so for a lot of people, we've been mobilizing across the nation, state to state, because people recognize the urgency in this matter. The fact that we are witnessing a continuation, right? I saw someone call this a continuation of the civil rights movement. Are we not ashamed as a a nation in 2021 to be able to call the actions, the voter suppression actions of Governor Greg Abbott in 2021 to be a continuation of what we saw with civil rights suppression. This is something that we need to work on immediately because the more that we continue on, we see state after state getting these same ideas and want to infringe upon voting rights based upon this idea, right, that was perpetuated by the previous administration that there was somehow some sort of a voter oppression that took place to members of their party that prohibited them from having their ballots being counted when we know that most of the states counted their ballots not one time, not two times, but three times. This idea that a lot of folks have been perpetuating it really needs to stop, and I think it's time that we start to correct those narratives, that we move beyond the meetings, that we have action. And I think one thing that we need to remember, this party, the Democratic Party, oftentimes perpetuates this idea of bipartisanship, right? Something that we have to recall is that for the Republican Party, whenever they're in power and have control of Congress, both houses of Congress or even one chamber of Congress, 
Congress, they tend to act alone. They pay no mind to bipartisanship. They simply act. In fact, we saw the Trump administration continue to refuse the orders that were being handed down from the courts. They just ignored them, right? So why is it that we're not fighting more to simply not worry about bipartisanship, but to protect what's right and should be protected in this nation, which is voter rights? Uh, Michael, um, we're, look, August 6th is the anniversary of the signing of the 1965 Voting Rights Act. Uh, right. uh, Reverend Barber and others wanted uh, a bill signed by that particular anniversary date. Um, Democrats cannot wait till October, November, and December because mm -hmm. you need time to also implement uh, the, uh, the actual bill uh, if it is passed. And so that's why you have this level of pressure because so the, the event is happening tomorrow at the state capitol. Then you're going to have uh, mass action of some 600-plus clergy in D.C. on Monday. Then you're going to have action on Tuesday. Then, of course, the black women are going to be uh, mobilizing and organizing again with action on Wednesday and Thursday. It has to be, it has to be this constant drumbeat that has to happen. Right. It's, there's no other way. Absolutely. It has to be continuous pressure, continuous education, and expanding the conversation and showing how these different segments of the population, how they are all impacted by this. Too, uh, too many people look at... Too many people look at this fight, as, as, as the other panelists have been saying, they look at this fight as a black fight. They look at this fight as, oh, the 1965 Voting Rights Act. Okay, that's a black thing. That's Dr. King and that's John Lewis. That's uh, the Edmund Pettus Bridge. No, you, you have to make this uh, uh, direct and targeted and show how this impacts elderly white people who vote through mail-in ballots, how this impacts Latinos, how this impacts this 38 million disabled Americans who are registered to vote. Now, Vice President Kamala Harris did meet with members of the disabled community, I think it was two weeks ago, at the White House. But you have to show how all these different segments that have massive organization all across the country, because we're being targeted in, in 48 state legislatures, even though a lot of these bills are not going to pass in, like, state legislatures where Democrats control it and you have a Democratic governor. But still, the attack is in 48 states, probably 50 states. So the mobilization has to be in all, all across the country as well. And, and lastly, we have to put relentless pressure on these corporations who we spend dollars with, and they finance Republican candidates that are working to suppress our vote. We have to put pressure on them to put pressure on these Republicans to shut this stuff down also. They, none of them have said, if you, keep, if, you go, if you pass these bills, we're not going to give you any more money. Okay? So we have to continue the, the, the mobilization and putting pressure on these corporations as well. Um, Brittany, uh, again, we are we are moving towards this path again. Tomorrow, uh, it's it's wide open. They put no limitations on tomorrow. Uh, they are expecting uh, several thousand people uh, at the Texas State Capitol. Uh, it will all kick off actually with a 151 car caravan representing 151 years uh, of action. And so we'll take going from Georgetown, uh, Texas, which is 27 miles away, coming into the state capitol, actually going to be led by a hearse. Uh, and then they, they want that to actually symbolize um, that uh, voting rights uh, could be uh, DOA if Congress does not act. Um, the, the, the thing that also I, I find to be um, interesting um, with, uh, oh, by the way, Willie Nelson is also going to be performing uh, mm. tomorrow at the rally. And I got to ask, and, and, and with that, I actually, you know, his was interesting. Uh, 
And, and Willie Nelson is uh, is obviously a Texas legend, uh, known across the world. When I, when I remember the Selma to Montgomery march, Harry Belafonte recruited a lot of entertainers who actually came and performed. I mean, I got to be honest with you, I am very disappointed by the lack of presence from many black folks in the entertainment community with what is going on here. Yep. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think um, a lot of our artists uh, would do well to think about what our artistry means. And I, and I think so many um, within our community would argue that we don't have the luxury of, quote unquote, being apolitical, right? And to be apolitical is to actually be political, right? It's to take the side of the oppressor. And in a moment that is so important, because we know without voting, um, so many of the things that we care about, whether they be education, housing, unions, federal minimum wage, whatever it may be, um, we can't address those things if we don't have the very bridge or the very tool to do that which is our voting rights. Um, so I am also completely disheartened. Um, and I wish I could say I'm surprised, Roland, but I'm not. Um, in light of so many of the things that we've been seeing in the press um, with some of our artists, um, I, I, I'm a bit disheartened, but, I, but I'm not surprised. And, and I pray um, that they recognize that they have so much power um, that they can wield to make a difference, um, not only in our community, as black community, but in the nation and in the world, if they would use their platforms. Um, yes, it's great that Willie Nelson is gonna be there, but I would love to see way more people come out that have that power and that's the thing right there uh Dunia, that i think and again i i'm not one where you say oh my gosh you gotta have celebrities involved with with anything and everything uh but i do believe and again i go back to all these folks boy they were out here and they were talking and posting and the emotional in the aftermath of george floyd's death mm -hmm. this is what we call the real work Right. After the hype moment. Then go ahead. Uh, I think you're muted. I think you're muted. Then I think you're muted. Yeah, we can't hear you at all. We can't hear you. All right, so what he was going to do, we're going to try to fix your audio. I'm going to go to a break. We'll be back on Roller Martin Unfiltered uh, in just a moment. Same forces that are trying to pass these bills across the country here in Texas to, yes, suppress, to stop, to undermine the vote. The same folk that block you from having living wages are the same folk same that wouldn't fix your utility problems. In this time, when our voting rights are under attack yeah. and economic justice is being denied. We're launching a season of nonviolent moral direct action to demand four things by August the 6th, the 56th anniversary of the signing of the Voting Rights Act. Number one. End the filibuster. Number right. two. Right. Yeah. Pass all provisions of the For the People Act. Fully restore the 1965 Voting Rights Act. Yeah. Yes. And number four, raise the federal minimum wage to $15. Pass the For the People Act. That is the, the last best hope for voting rights, not just in Texas, but Georgia, and Florida, and about a dozen other states. Pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Bill and the For the People Act. Let our people vote. The Latinx community is the rising electorate in Texas, and our representatives are threatened by these shifting demographics. Our pathway to citizenship 
to a living wage depend on their access to the ballot. This is not just a black issue. That's right. This is a moral, right. constitutional, and economic democracy issue. Poverty is reinforced by public policy. And what happens in Texas, uh, as well as in America, we create policies that perpetuate poverty, and then we criminalize the poverty that we create. There's only so much we can take, and it's time for us to, to stand up and speak loudly against what's happening here. I think in Texas that it is time for a Selma-like. Yeah. 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 I, I think we ought to run from Georgetown to Austin. And we ought to come to Austin, but we ain't coming to Austin just for Austin. We come to Austin to save the Washington, D.C. Which side are you on? And don't tell us you can't do all of this. You must do all of this for the soul and the heart of this democracy. Forward together. Hello, I'm Nina Turner. My grandmother used to say, all you need in life are three bones. The wishbone to keep you dreaming, the jawbone to help you speak truth to power, and the backbone to keep you standing through it all. I'm running for Congress because you deserve a leader who will stand up fearlessly on your behalf. Together, we will deliver Medicare for all. Good jobs that pay a living wage and bold justice reform. I'm Nina Turner, and I approve this message. I believe that people our age have lost the ability to focus the, the discipline on the art of organizing. The challenges, there's so many of them, and they're complex, and we need to be moving to address them. But I'm able to say, watch out, Tiffany. I know this road. That is so freaking dope. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Bishop T.D. Jake. Hi, I'm doing it's your favorite funny girl, Amanda Seals. Hi, I'm Anthony Brown from Anthony Brown and Group Therapy. What up, Lana Well, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. That was the most you've done today. All right, folks, uh, we're here in Texas, and if you want to know how trifling the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, is, he, he literally is trying to use COVID as a way to attack uh, migrants. Uh, what he did was he actually had uh, the uh, state troopers pull over migrants. Now, th this is what his office says. He claims that they're doing this because of the uh, dramatic rise in unlawful border crossings and saying that they're bringing in COVID-19. Now, of course, this is hypocritical because this is the same governor who opposes COVID-19 public health policies. Remember, his executive order uh, could be an illegal preemption of a federal contract with bus companies transporting migrants for work. Now, the Texas Department of Public Safety was vague about enforcing the order. This is a quote from them. Uh, pull the graphic up, please. The Texas Department of Public Safety is committed to securing our border under the direction of Governor Greg Abbott and through the executive orders applicable to DPS. While the department does not discuss the operational specifics, we will continue to monitor the situation at the border to make real-time decisions and adjust operations as necessary. I don't know what the hell they talking about, Dania. Listen, this is dog whistle pol 
if I've ever heard it, this is dog whistles, right? Um, and let's be clear, this is just one more thing that Greg Abbott needs to check off on his list of racist, xenophobic, and discriminatory policies. This isn't anything that's new. And I'm being completely sarcastic here when I say that surely this has nothing to do with the fact that Texas hasn't followed through with the vast majority of the CDC mandates. This has nothing to do with the videos that we've seen from Karens and Kens coming out of Texas where they fail to wear a mask to enter public establishments, right? Surely this has nothing to do with the fact that Texas opened up the vast majority of his establishments months before the rest of the states in the United States, right? This has everything to do with the stereotypical notions that Greg Abbott, as well as many people in Texas have of immigrants, right? There's been this trope from really the dawn of time in which we feel and fear that immigrants are disease ridden. When we look at the numbers, the vast majority of people coming from states that are immigrating from various countries, they actually have low to no numbers of COVID-19, right? The people who are fleeing Central America are coming from Mexico and Guatemala. These individuals are not disease ridden. What he really should have said is, I hate immigrants and as a result of my hating immigrants, I'm now passing a basic stop-and-frisk-like policy that is specific to the immigrant community. And let's be clear, we've seen this before. This is basically 287G. For those of you who do not know, 287G was actually a section taken out from the Immigration and Nationality Act right? And then it became law in 1996. And what 287G did was allow the Department of Homeland Security to work with local and state law enforcement and deputize them so that they could act as immigration officers, right? And basically allow them to be able to detain people. Now, the problem with that, amongst many other things, is that U.S. citizens were actually caught up in this. Based on the stereotypical notions that law enforcement has of immigrants and who immigration impacts, they were racially profiling members of the Latinx community. And as a result, as of 2017, based on the 2002 starting point of this policy, they actually had detained or they had 2,800 U.S. citizens that they had accused of being undocumented and detained of that 2,800, 214 U.S. citizens because they thought they were undocumented. I think we all remember the story of the man who was held in a detention center here in California, and it's happened across the nation as well, too, where U.S citizens have been detained for extended periods of time until they can provide their documentation, whether that be naturalization papers or their U.S. passport, right? So this is a dog whistle. All he wants to do is infringe further upon the constitutional rights of immigrants. And I know what people are thinking, wait a minute, the constitutional rights of individuals who aren't U.S. citizens. Yes, the constitutional rights of immigrants. Anybody who remains in the United States of America 
is considered to be protected under the U.S. Constitution. This is a violation of us as immigrants and our constitutional rights. And all he's trying to do is enact one more xenophobic policy. This has absolutely nothing to do with COVID-19, because as we know, the reason Texas is facing the surge of COVID-19 cases is as a result of their own negligence and the negligence of their governor, Greg Abbott. Well, you brought the funk there. Uh, what we're what we what we're definitely seeing here, uh, Brittany. Uh, we're seeing Republicans play their white fear game. We see them attacking people of color, and this literally was Donald Trump's entire playbook. Absolutely, um, it's it's very on brand for the for the Republican Party, but of course it's very on brand for Governor Abbott. Um, but it's no less disgusting, and we know that uh, you know as was, as was mentioned earlier, migrants are not the cause of a dramatic rise in COVID nineteen cases. He is literally using immigrants as a scapegoat, um, which is on brand for the United States and its history um, for really. Con- like terrible conservative leadership and the handling of the virus. Um, We know that this policy is racist. It's illegal from a constitutional perspective, which was brought up. And then it's also rolling logistically impractical. so we, we know the problem with the virus in Texas is due to many unvaccinated residents, like, throughout the nation. And if Abbott was actually concerned about stopping the spread of COVID-19, he would call for, instead of actually have a problem with, another statewide mask mandate, or at least allow other local communities to implement their own mask requirements rather than prohibiting it, which is what he did in May. And then in terms of the racial profiling that comes with this, we know that it's going to come with that. And it's going to come with a bunch of other abuses related to the law, the order in and of itself is vague. I think it's less than two pages. Um, and Texas state troopers are told, uh, are directed to stop any vehicle with reasonable suspicion that it's carrying migrants who potentially have COVID. COVID. Yet the order does not say what would constitute such suspicion. So with that question, I want to say, so are they just pulling over any uh, Latino passengers in Texas for a traffic stop, seeing as though the state has 11 million Latinos, which compromise more than 40% of the population? So it's like that, that's a recipe for a clear violation of, you know, Latino rights. And it's unfortunate, but it's not it's 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 not surprising. My, Michael, again, what, what it is, is, is the targeting of people of color in order mm-hmm. to make their white Republican base happy. Yeah. And this is going to be uh, in, you know, in midterm elections, this is going to be a campaign talking point. Uh, this is the, the cruelty. We see the continuation of the cruelty coming from the Trump administration. But um, first of all, I, I would be interested to know how many white people they stop, because uh, we do know they're white illegal immigrants also. So I, I want to know, like, how many white people did they stop? And then the other thing is, if you want to cut down on migrant workers, you should crack down on the businesses and corporations that employ them. If you really want to, if you really want to do something, get, target the businesses and and corporations that employ them. But see, they're not they're not going to do that because those are their campaigns. Now you know they can't. You know they can't make the you can't they can't make the Texas Chamber of they can't make the U.S. Chamber of Commerce unhappy. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm, I'm serious. I mean, if that's what you want to. If, if you really want to crack down on that, go after the corporations, right? That that employ them. Okay, and then you should you should probably also, if you want to crack down uh, and, and reduce the need for migrant workers, uh, you should probably only eat food that you grow yourself. 
Now, you know damn well that ain't going to happen. So, let me, let's, let's just be real clear. We, they, hey, you, you, you can hang that one up. You, you, know what, you know these folks ain't doing none of that sort of stuff. So, uh, we, we certainly, uh, again, are going to be uh, uh, looking at this story uh, and following, uh, you know, what happens next. It just, it's just so it's just it's it's, it's shameful that the things that are happening uh, in, in my home state. And, and, and again, it's, it's all because they boy lost. That's why they mad. Uh, let's talk um, COVID eviction moratorium. Of course, Sunday mm-hmm. is a deadline when millions of renters could very well get kicked out because they're late. They're behind in their payments. Uh, and their, uh, the CDC's current uh, eviction moratorium is going to expire. As we speak, House Democrats are meeting. Uh, and one of the leading folks there is Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Uh, here is Speaker Nancy Pelosi speaking on this issue. What? Okay, guys, we have an audio issue with that sound bite. Uh, Brittany, you know, this is, we are still dealing with the, uh, after the rally of COVID. And, and there are people who are still being impacted economically. Uh, yes, and there are also people who are losing money who own uh, these buildings as well. But here's the problem. You throw them out, where are they going to go? Absolutely. And then if you throw them out, if they have jobs, how, how are they still going to be able to go to their jobs uh, and live? What happens when they have kids and you throw them out? I mean, this is the crisis we're dealing with that COVID has exposed in America. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. And I think uh, what COVID has done is essentially called into question American exceptionalism and this notion of um, how great America really is. Because when we see millions of people being evicted from their home because nothing gets done in the moratorium um, comes to an end, then then what? Um, you know, we make all of these comments about what other countries don't do well and they don't house their citizens and they don't do this and they don't do that. And yet we have plenty of empty homes, condos, apartment buildings. But yet, um, we are about to have a mass, we already have homelessness pre-COVID, but we are about to have a mass exodus of folks um, who have nowhere to go. And I really feel like the administration has not done a a good enough job to push Congress to extend the moratorium. Um, And this is really last minute, and and we're really going to have a problem, because even if the House passes it today, we still have a problem with the Senate. And in 30, what, less than 36 hours, when the clock strikes 12.01, on Sunday, the the CDC eviction moratorium is over. And we know there's a lot of filings already on the books. Sheriffs are going to drag people out of their homes. Um, and, and what's really unfortunate about this, Roland, is we're talking about there was $47 billion in rental assistance that was supposed to go into the hands of renters and landlords that are struggling with, let's say, mortgage payments. Um, and, and I think the, the number was that it's only been about 7% um, of that money has actually been allocated, whether that's because of, like, problems with, like, bureaucratic red tape, um, states and local communities not doing enough or, or not having um, their, their, their programs being utilized in the right way. It, and it's really unfortunate, and something has to be done. A good thing, uh, Michael, and this could exacerbate an already um, uh, difficult economy uh, for the poor. Absolutely. And uh, I'm looking at the update from NBC News. They're reporting that Congress fails to extend eviction moratorium expiring Saturday. 
and we know that uh, the House goes on recess today. Uh, they're reporting that uh, Maxine Waters, who spearheaded this uh, bill, she's at odds with uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I was reading um, uh, another article about this and objections from one of the Republicans and things like this. And, and you notice Republicans haven't stepped up to help with this at all. I mean, keep in mind, no Republicans in the House or the Senate voted for the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan in the first place. So, yeah, bro, this is, I mean, this is catastrophic. Um, you know, personally, I don't think they should leave uh, for recess until they pass this bill. But, uh, yeah, bro, this is this is catastrophic. You, you're going to see, um, uh, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do uh, after this past this, brother. This is this is catastrophic. But at the same time, man, um, we knew that the moratorium was expiring July 31st. And uh, I think it, there may be information. I don't know. But I think Democrats should have taken initiative before now to get a bill passed, to to, uh, to extend the moratorium, to get it passed through Congress. Because that was that's what the U.S. Supreme Court ruled. Well, that's what the—go ahead. That's what the U.S. Supreme Court said when— uh, it's con Bro, bro, it's— but, the, but Michael, this is Congress doing what they do. They always wait to the last minute. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I understand that, but I'm saying this is too serious to wait to the last minute. You can't, you do, you, you can't wait to the last no, that's, minute. No, that's that's everything. Yeah, yeah. This is what they do. <laughs> do they they are they are very good at waiting to the last minute. I mean, just they're excellent uh, at that. Yeah, they're I, just very good. Just like oh I yeah, I was like I know we got stuff to do, but but okay, we'll go ahead and we'll just wait to the last second and they try to figure something out. <laughs> I agree, but this is this is too serious for that. This is too serious for that. No, no, there are a lot of serious issues, but this is what they do. They wait to the last moment. <laughs> I agree. I, I Daniel, agree. You see do. this on any issue. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we we've seen this on uh, on DACA. We've seen this. I mean, I can go down the line. I mean, it's like, right. yo, what the hell do y'all do? I just right. want more legislators who have been homeless, who have gone, you know, many days without having food, without having health care, without having these things, because I honestly think, Roland, that these oh, folks boo, you have asking no for a lot. Have no concept, <laughs> no concept of what folks are going through. <sighs> Lord, Denia, if we actually had some folk in Congress who've been homeless before, a whole hell of a lot would change in America. Okay. Listen, and that's why it's important that we have some of the Congress members that we do, right? People like Ayanna Presley, people like AOC, right? People like Ilhan Omar. This is the reason that it's important that we have members of Congress who actually understand the everyday plight of the American people and people who live in the United States of America and call it home. Because if you don't have that, like Brittany said, you're going to have people who are oblivious. I mean, during the height of the pandemic, members of Congress were debating whether or not a thousand dollars was too much money whether or not that thousand dollars and then after that the two thousand dollars would be too much money and then people would decide after receiving three thousand dollars that they never wanted to work again right so there's so much that happens as a result of their lack of understanding maybe if they experience houselessness right maybe if they experience having to leave their country right to flee to another one because there were no opportunities and there were 
violence that they were facing, so they had to flee their home, maybe they would understand that. But the privilege, it just reeks of privilege for them to have the audacity to want to recess after doing virtually nothing, right? And I could say that because I've also been waiting to see some movement in regard to comprehensive immigration reform, in regard to making sure that people have the protections that they need, given the Oh, man, Denise was on a roll there. We lost her there. Uh, allow me uh, to uh, to actually do this. I, I want to give an update, y'all. Uh, so let me know when we actually have her back. I want to give an update on a story we told you about yesterday. That's right out of Kaufman, Texas, uh, where the uh, uh, cop, uh, Connor Martin, just laid over the sister. Uh, her name is Nakia Trigg. Well, he's been put in administrative leave uh, as a result of that. The seven-minute video has caused uh, a lot of uh, 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 outrage from people. Uh, based upon his actions at that particular video. Uh, and again, uh, the outcries led to the release of Martin's unedited body camera footage of the actual incident. Uh, here is his, some of his video footage. What are you crying for? Well, here, come talk to me. What's wrong? How come you're crying? And you're barefoot. Where do you live at? What what's your address? Fifty-five, so I'm out at Rambling and Rustic with that female. What's your address? Just to talk to you and make sure you're okay. I'm okay. Okay, well here, hang on. Just slow down and talk to me, okay? Just slow down and talk to me. Okay, well, here, hold on, hold on, okay? You're not in trouble, but you gotta stay right here, okay? You, you, can't, you can't go walking off, okay? I, I, you gotta stay right here, okay? Okay, why are you hurting me? So, no, I'm not hurting you. Okay, can I call my mom? How old are you? I'm 18. You're 18? Where, where's your mom live? Can I call her? I don't you, you want you to hurt you me. You can't walk off. I'm not gonna hurt you, okay? But you can't, you, you can't, you can't walk off like that, okay? I'm not gonna hurt you, okay? I'm, okay, I'm here to make sure you're okay. You can get in the grass, it's fine. So we got a call that you were jumping out in front of cars, no, so I can't, I, let, I can't let you go walking off on okay, me now, okay? Well, where do you live? I wanna Okay, so you can't go anywhere, okay? You gotta, you gotta talk to me. Okay? Let me call my sister! I don't want you to hurt me. I'm not gonna hurt you, okay? Stop pulling away. Stop I don't want you to hurt me. Hurt you. If you pull away, I gotta put you in handcuffs though. Okay? Stop pulling away. Stop pulling away. Okay? No, you're hurting me already. Away, right? You're hurting me already! You're hurting me!
Okay, Brittany, we showed the video that was shot by Parrish Shabazz. So, when, obviously, when he went to the ground there, uh, knocked his camera loose. Okay, n see, not, now I'm even more pissed off, even more pissed off from yesterday. First, he shows up on the scene. She's walking barefoot. She's crying. He does not observe her going in traffic. He says we got calls that you were weaving in and out of traffic. He never observed that. He grabs her. I'm sorry. Did, did, do you actually hear at any point in there probable cause for him to detain her by grabbing her? Then he says, I have to handcuff you. She clearly, as a lot of black people, uh, is afraid of what may happen with the cops. And he's talking in a very calm manner. But again, why is he putting his hands on her? When he has not observed her, and then he says, why are you walking around barefoot crying? I'll be honest with you, I'm from Texas. I know a whole bunch of folks walk their ass around barefoot. Country as hell. Okay? But, okay, she's barefoot and crying. But why is he putting his hands on her, detaining her, and telling her she cannot leave, and then he must put her in handcuffs? Insane. My girl has a serious case on her hands with that police department. Because first off, if I'm crying, if I'm walking barefoot, as long as I'm not hurting anybody or causing any harm, it's none of your damn business. That's what I feel like doing. If, if I, you don't know what I'm going through, I could have broke up with my partner. I could have done anything. It's, it's none of your business. Um, and more importantly, she didn't do anything, like you said, Roland, to be legally detained or to have his hands put on her. And it's and it's so sad because it's in those instances where our rights are being violated that end up being um, extremely dangerous and sometimes deadly. And I think that's the unfortunate reality. These these officers are entirely too comfortable um, with violating our rights and believing that they're going to get away with it. Um, so I pray that this man, yet again, yet another cop, um, is brought to justice because this is, this is foolishness. It's absolutely foolishness. And it's straight up harassment. Uh, I, I, I'm watching the video, Michael, and again, I, I'm trying to answer, I'm trying to understand how does he arrive at, I'm grabbing your arm, arm, she's pulling away, he goes, stop pulling away, why your ass grabbing me? you giving me no legal basis to detain me and saying, you can't walk away. Actually, I can. Yeah, you know, it, it's obvious she was traumatized. It was obvious she's going through something even before he started talking to her. Now, uh, according to the piece from Newsweek, um, there, were, uh, there were calls made to the police. They, uh, they said um, passive buyers were saying that she was jumping in front of cars, possibly in a suicidal manner. You know, if I was an officer, I've never been an officer before, but if I was, I would—when I see that she's distressed and doesn't want to talk, I would just observe her, follow her. You know, not grab her, detain her, because because now what you're doing is you're heightening her anxiety. She's already distressed, and she wants to call her sister, what have you. Then she ends up on the ground in handcuffs with you on top of her. Okay, so I mean, this is just you know, this is crazy. This is just crazy. I mean, Dania, I'm watching this, and to Michael's point, if you're the officer, I'm just going to follow her to see where she's going. I, I, I'm uh, Dania. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, here's my whole deal. What Michael just said. I'm gonna follow this woman to see where she's going. I'm gonna follow her to make sure she doesn't do anything 
That's that's what I'm gonna do. But to get out and say, and even though he's talking in a calm way, but he grabs her, holds her, tells her he cannot allow her to pull away. When at no point, then it says, "I'm gonna put the handcuffs on." He is not established why he's handcuffing her. <laughs> it's the audacity for me. Tania, go ahead, please. It's the audacity for me each and every time, right? The fact that you could see, you could see her fear. She was so fearful immediately, right? That's the reality of black people in America upon seeing visual images or being approached by the police is fear because we've seen where this has led to, right? We've seen people like Breonna Taylor, people like George Floyd. We've seen the outcome of videos such as this one. So this idea that he's asking her, why are you resisting? Why are are you pulling your arm away from me when the first moment that you walked up to me, you were automatically trying to infringe upon my personal freedoms. And not just that, people wonder why we say defund the police. How is it that Dylan Roof, after murdering people at Mother Emanuel, could have been taken in without incident after fleeing the scene, one, and they not only did that, but they took him to Burger King to get a meal. <laughs> so Dylan Roof could be taken in without incident, but this girl, who they did not witness having committed any crimes or doing anything to endanger anybody else, they didn't even see her trying to endanger herself. But the immediate response of this officer was to grab hold of her? It, it's ridiculous. This is why we say defund the police, because if you can take white people, mass shooters, in without incident, then why is it that when you're approaching a black person on a regular call, right? We don't know what the outcome could have been, but I'm sure there could have been questions that were asked. Are you okay? What's wrong? And when we say defund the police, it's about giving resources. Clearly, as Michael mentioned, she was dealing with some sort of anxiety, some sort of depression. We don't know. She was emotional from the moment that he walked up, but she was not violent. She didn't do anything to endanger herself or him, she was dealing with it herself. This is why mental health services is important and that we shouldn't be left to call the police to deal with what a mental health provider should be dealing with, right? Because those two are completely... It looks like, it looks like we lost uh, Dania's signal again. I mean, she look, she's absolutely right. I mean, look, but we, this is what happens when you're dealing with these outrageous uh, uh, cops uh, who think that they can just do uh, whatever in the world they want to do. All right, y'all. Uh, we're gonna before we go to this break. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna play uh, some more from some protesters uh, who are actually marching today. Uh, here in Austin, then we're going to go to break. We're going to come back. We're going to have our Education Matters segment with Congressman Jamal Bowen of New York talking about the Green New Deal for public schools. We are here at University Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. The March for Democracy is taking place tomorrow. We've been with it for the last three days. Uh, and so after uh, I play some of you, some, uh, some of these uh, folks who are walking today, 
We'll go to break, and we'll be back right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Name, where you from? Mike Walker, Sun City, Texas. Sun City, Texas. Are you used to the sun? Am I what? Used to the sun. You bet. He is born and raised Texan and proud of it. Well, same here. Yeah. I'm Houston. So why'd you, why'd you want to be out here? Why was it important for you? It's important to represent because I have friends and I can't wait. So I'm here on their behalf as well as my own. When we talk about uh, the power of voting, and we see what's happening in this state with Abbott, Dan Patrick, uh, and Republicans, what's crazy is that it was a safe election, the Texas Secretary of State said it, and they still want to change the law. That's right. That's right. We're going to have to change government in order to change the laws. Absolutely. I'm talking to him. He's trying to pipe in. I know. I'm the, he, said, he has taught me everything I know. <laughs> I never was this active. Really? In the last four or five years. So what happened? You got her active? Yeah. Oh, boy. Lead yes. by example. We all have rights, and we need to vote the people out and get the people in for the people. So now he got you fired up. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Everybody should vote. Everyone has the right. Exactly. We don't need to take it away from anybody. We need to make it easier. There are working people that need to get out and vote. Huh? Yes. Where did the march start? Georgetown. Lamar. No, actually, no. It actually started in Georgetown. Georgetown. It in Georgetown on Wednesday. Yes, we are. Round Rock on Thursday. And then at the uh, Muslim Community Center today. Awesome. All right. Now we're here. Absolutely. Thank you for being out here. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Shirt off, way to go. Being an Aggie, that 
was offensive. <laughs> oh, we're in Austin. I don't care. We're in Austin. I worked in Austin out of college. <laughs> I graduated from Texas A&M and came right here to work. <laughs> and we kicked their butt that Thanksgiving. They were not happy. <laughs> hey, hey, you might have the chance to play us again, but oh, for too long. And we'll kick that butt again. <laughs> Nothing like barbecue bevo. <laughs> undermine the vote. The same folk that block you from having living wages are the same folk same that wouldn't fix your utilities problems. In this time when our voting rights are under attack yeah. and economic justice is being denied. We're launching a season of nonviolent moral direct action to demand four things by August the 6th the 56th anniversary of the signing of the Voting Rights Act. Number one. Yes. End the filibuster. Number right. two. Right. Yes. Pass all provisions of the For the People Act. Fully restore the 1965 Voting Rights Act. Yeah. Yes. And number four, raise the federal minimum wage to $15. Pass the For the People Act. That is the, the last best hope for voting rights, not just in Texas, but Georgia and Florida and about a dozen other states passed the John Lewis Voting Rights Bill and the For the People Act. Let our people vote. The Latinx community is the rising electorate in Texas, and our representatives are threatened by these shifting demographics. Our pathway to citizenship to a living wage depend on our access to the ballot. This is not just a black issue. That's right. This That's is right. a moral, right. constitutional, and economic democracy issue. Poverty is reinforced by public policy. And what happens in Texas, uh, as well as in America, we create policies that perpetuate poverty, and then we criminalize the poverty that we create. There's only so much we can take, and it's time for us to, to stand up and speak loudly against what's happening here. I think in Texas that it is time for a Selma-like 
Justice is a scourge on this nation, and the black community has felt it for generations. We have an obligation to do something about it. Whether it's canceling student debt, increasing the minimum wage, or investing in black-owned businesses, the black community deserves so much better. I'm Nina Turner, and I'm running for Congress to do something about it. When you study the music, yeah. you get black history by default. And so no no other craft could carry as many words as rap music. I try to intertwine that and make that create the whatever I'm supposed to send out to the universe. A rapper, it, you know, for the longest period of time has gone through phases. I love the word. I hate I hate what it's become, you know, in, in to this generation, the way they visualize it. It's narrative kind of like has gotten away and spun away from, I guess, the ascension of black people. Yo, what's up? This your boy Ice Cube. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. And you said the one at eight. Stinger. the Green New Deal that you know that it applies to public schools. Congressman Jamal Bowen, Bowen of New York, joins us right now uh, to explain that. Congressman, glad to have you back on Roller Mart Unfiltered. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Good to see you. So, Green New Deal in public schools. Who knew? <laughs> uh, absolutely, man. This is about a revolution in public education. It's about rebuilding our economy. It's about ending the asthma rates uh, in our black and brown communities. Listen, our public schools have fallen into disrepair. We have asbestos. We have lead in the water. We have places where the hot water doesn't work in the bathrooms. And we have HVAC systems that are many, many years old. And this is one of the reasons why we couldn't return back to school uh, due to COVID. So we have to change the physical infrastructure, power our schools with solar and sustainable energy, but then we also have to change the curriculum. Our kids are architects, they're engineers, they're scientists, they're doctors. We need more STEM and STEAM in our schools. So in order for our kids to be prepared for a 21st century clean, renewable economy, we need to make sure we're creating a learning environment that allows them to 
blossom and thrive and be the creative, brilliant people that they are. So it's the physical infrastructure. It's also how kids are learning in our buildings. And so when we talk about what would be repaired, what what would it cost? What number um, are, are y'all placing on this? And what type of things are we talking about uh, when it comes to the Green New Deal in public schools? So we're talking $1.43 trillion over 10 years. And we're targeting Title I schools. These are schools disproportionately located in redline communities. So schools that have been underfunded for several decades. You know, if you go to school in the suburbs, your schools are funded at about twice the rate. So we're talking targeting these uh, these communities, uh, um, creating a million new jobs as we retrofit our schools, uh, hiring locally so we can create a pipeline, not just for those who will work the technical side uh, of the Green New Deal for public schools, but in terms of teachers, teacher assistants, uh, school counselors, and the like, all hired locally, all developed locally. And it's about time, man. We've allowed our schools to be neglected for far too long, and the federal government has to step in and do a lot more. How do you walk people through this so they understand that the Green New Deal has an application to public schools? So our public schools because right you gotta now sell it. The, Yeah, of course. Our public schools right now are dependent on fossil fuels, like many buildings and structures across the country. We have to end our dependency on fossil fuels within the next 10 years, or the extreme weather that we're seeing is going to continue to get worse and continue to cost lives. So because public schools serve 90% of kids, that's the place we should start in terms of transitioning off of fossil fuels and moving more towards solar and wind and the like. In addition to that, and I think this is the important point for parents, our kids, especially in grades 6 through 12, are ready to be co-creators of their learning environment. STEM and STEAM is the future. It's the present and the future. And our black and brown kids needs to be, need to be the creators of the technology that runs the future. We've not, we're not, public schools have done a poor job of uh, allowing our kids to become creators of the new technology. They help us to become workers, which is great, nothing wrong with that, but we want to create the new technology. We want to own it uh, and we want to distribute it. And this is how you build community wealth, community power, this is how you bring regenerative agriculture and urban farming into schools. It's about saving the planet, saving our kids and communities, and allowing them to be in the driver's seat of their own learning. All right, questions from my panel. I will start with uh, Brittany. Brittany. Yeah, um, first I want to say thank you so much. This bill is probably, it is the most important piece of legislation I've seen to address the ills within our education system. I mean, it really is a commitment to address probably every single issue I saw in the classroom as a Title I middle school teacher. Um, so thank you for this. But I, I do want to know, what do you believe is going to be kind of the greatest challenge in getting this passed? We need a paradigm shift in Congress. Um, there are too many people who are stuck on the public charter debate, public charter, public charter, public charter. Well, guess what? Charters need to do better for our kids as well, because we're all focused on 
a singular measure to determine how well kids are doing in our schools. We need project-based learning. We need collaborative problem solving. We need to align the K-12 learning opportunities to the real world. We haven't done that. We need a new vision, and we need a paradigm shift in Congress to get us there. One of the things I'm trying to do as the vice chair of the Ed and Labor Committee is set up a CODEL so that we could visit other states and other countries so we could see what they're doing in education. China, which is a communist nation, is leading us in entrepreneurship in higher education. They're encouraging their kids to take a year off to pursue entrepreneurial opportunities. We've heard about what places like, like Singapore and Finland are doing in our schools. So I've been very critical of how our system, public and charter, has been a test prep system, okay? We need to expand that and get our kids working on projects that are real world, get them working with their hands, and bring in a 21st century uh, career in technical education, which is green. So it needs to be a paradigm shift. And what will help that to happen is all of us contacting our representatives and senators so that they could look at this new vision of our public schools. All right, uh, Michael, your question for Congressman Jamal Bowman. Hello, Congressman Jamal Bowman. Um, uh, Bowman, a question for you. So when I was in uh, middle school, I was in a program for a pre-engineering uh, pre program here in Detroit called DAPSEP. Um, how do you, how do we uh, improve career identification for students, especially in the inner cities? Uh, and the reason why I said that is because I, I was talking to a, a friend I have that's uh, involved in uh, hiring people and job placement, things like this. And she talked about how in uh, suburban um, school districts, like here in Michigan, suburban school districts, they would start career identification in like fifth grade, sixth grade. Whereas in the inner city, like here in Detroit, they'll start career identification in 11th grade and 12th grade. Well, if we start earlier, we can put more of our students, more African-American students in the STEM fields. How do we do this? Well, you're absolutely right. First and foremost, we need to start earlier. Secondly, we need to align the curriculum to the competencies that are needed in STEM fields. Now, there is okay. technical skill that is needed, right? There's technical skill needed to become an engineer, an architect, and the like. Mathematics and science technical skills. There are also adaptive skills and, and soft skills uh, that are needed as well, uh, like organizational skills, time management skills, uh, right. curiosity, creativity. Our schools are, are starving for more creativity. And our kids want it badly. And it's my belief if we implement, first of all, this is a K-12 vision. If we implement more Montessori education, more culturally responsive education, Reggio Emilia and the like, beginning in early childhood, our kids will learn to become self-directed learners, collaborative learners, and learners in a formal setting while acquiring the skills needed to thrive in the 21st century economy. And just as you said, they do it in the suburbs already. They right. do it in private schools already. Our kids, because of institutional racism in the education system, it is believed that we need formal, rigid instruction, and that's the only thing that could help us to survive. 
Whereas we know the, 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 the truth of the matter is we've built nations uh, before we engage with Western civilization. So we have to tap back into the magic that we have as black and brown people. All right, thank you. All right, then. Danae Joseph, your question for Congressman Jamal Bowen. Congressman Bowman, first and foremost, I just want to say that this is the kind of bold policymaking that I'm talking about, and I think every member of Congress should be doing. I just wanted to ask about the $250 billion in resource block grants. What kind of programs, what kind of resources are you hoping to see schools create out of this funding? First, we have to start local. There are people in our communities who have a tremendous amount of gifts and talents that they could be contributing to the schools. So how are the schools partnering with this, these community-based organizations and bringing them into the schools to provide additional resources and support? In my school, we, when, when I was a principal, uh, first of all, our school was open seven days a week. We were open late into the evening, and we partnered with a series of community-based organizations to come in and do additional programming. One uh, program idea we brought in was something called Genius Hour. Genius Hour was an unstructured learning space for our kids to explore ideas and problem-solving within their own community using design-thinking principles. This was facilitated by a community-based organization that we brought into the school to help facilitate that. Facilitate that. Schools are not uh, and can no longer operate in isolation, in silos. We, we are a heart, the heartbeat of a community, and we have to work with community-based organizations and small businesses and others in our schools to really unlock the full potential of our kids. So that's part of it, in addition to uh, the retrofits and the solo work that's going to be done, in addition to the additional staff members that we're going to bring in as well to lower class size and really, really zero in on uh, what our kids need. All right, then. Congressman Jamal Bowman, man, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, thank you so very much uh, for joining us. Uh, you're certainly welcome back on Roland Martin on the Filter anytime. Thank you so much, brother. Peace and love to everyone. All right. Thank you so uh, very much. Uh, folks, um, we certainly appreciate uh, School Choice is the Black Choice, uh, sponsoring our Education Matters segment. Uh, I got to sit here and uh, go to a break. We come back. Uh, I want to have some final thoughts about uh, voting rights in this country, uh, as well as uh, talk about uh, tomorrow's big rally taking place here at the Texas State Capitol in Austin, Texas. We'll be back shortly on Roland Martin Unfiltered. The same forces that are trying to pass these bills across the country here in Texas to, yes, suppress, to stop, to undermine the vote. The same folk that block you from having living wages are the same folk same. that wouldn't fix your utilities problems. In this time, when our voting rights are under attack and economic justice is being denied. We're launching a season of nonviolent moral direct action to demand four things by August the 6th, the 56th anniversary of the signing of the Voting Rights Act. Number one. Yes. End the filibuster.
filibuster. Number right. two, right. Yeah. pass all provisions of the For the People Act. Fully restore the 1965 Voting Rights Act. Yeah. Yes. And number four, raise the federal minimum wage to $15. Pass the For the People Act. That is the, the last best hope for voting rights, not just in Texas, but Georgia and Florida and about a dozen other states. Pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Bill and the For the People Act. Let our people vote. The Latinx community is the rising electorate in Texas, and our representatives are threatened by these shifting demographics. Our pathway to citizenship to a living wage depend on our access to the ballot. This is not just a black issue. That's right. This is a moral, right. constitutional, and economic democracy issue. Poverty is reinforced by public policy. And what happens in Texas, uh, as well as in America, we create policies that perpetuate poverty, and then we criminalize the poverty that we create. There's only so much we can take, and it's time for us to, to stand up and speak loudly against what's happening here. I think in Texas that it is time for a Selma-like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I think we ought to run from Georgetown to Austin. And we ought to come to Austin, but we ain't coming to Austin just for Austin. We come to Austin to save the Washington, D.C. Which side are you on? And don't tell us you can't do all of this. You must do all of this for the soul and the heart of this democracy. Forward together. Forward together. Forward together. Have always been essential. Mm -hmm. So now, mm -hmm. how are you going to pay us like that? And it's not just the, the salary. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a whole number of issues that have to support us as women. Yeah. But that's what we deserve. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't have to beg anybody for that. And I think that we are trying to do our best as a generation to honor the fact that we didn't come here alone and we didn't come here by accident. I always say every generation has to define for itself yeah. what it means to move the needle forward. Mm -hmm. I'm Godfrey, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. And while he's doing Unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble. All right, folks, welcome back to Roland Martin Unfiltered. We are broadcasting from University Baptist Church. We want to thank them for allowing us to be on their grounds. We were going to do, uh, we were going to do the show from the sanctuary. They have a gorgeous, gorgeous sanctuary. Um, but but Henry said that he wanted to really feel like we were just like sitting in the driveway, just chilling. Uh, and so that's why we here outdoors. So you know, I mean, it's it's, it's always it's always important, uh, Brittany. I think to have some country folk work for you. Uh, and, you know, sometimes. They, so we're just out here, and, you know, him and Anthony over here kicking it back, just feeling the breeze, you know, because it's shaded, you know, and, the, you know, it's like, you know, it's, uh, let's see here, it's uh, 651 here. Uh, the temperature's not that bad. Well, that's a lie. Um, damn, I ain't really, <laughs> I I <laughs> I didn't realize it was 93. See, you, let me tell you, let me tell you, Denise, where you from? Where you from? 
I'm in California, okay? I know nothing about that struggle. No, 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 no. No, I ask you, wait, wait. No, you say you in California. Where you from? And not you doing the where you from from, Belize. I ask, I ask where you from, not where you live now. Where you from? <laughs> it's been a while since I've gotten that. I'm from Belize, Belize, Central America. Yo ass from Belize. Belize ain't no 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 cool climate country. It's not. See, it's I, see, I knew right there. See, I I knew I knew right there, Brittany. I knew right there. Dania was trying to be bougie, <laughs> trying to be one of these California bougie people. Like, uh, I'm sorry, we don't know about that because I'm from California. No, yo ass live in we California. Do, you ain't from California. Nah, nah, nah. See, 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 right, see, right there, Michael. That's what really. See, I'm on these church grounds. I'm trying not to cuss Denise out right now. Reese was here. We'd be see that. I'm just saying that's what. First of all, Denise, let me help you out. This is a really, really black show. Okay. Yeah. This is yes. like a blackity really, black, really black, black show. Uh, right, but you know, but you tr but you try to be a little bougie right there. Like, no, I'm from California. We don't quite know about that heat. Um, and so I had to go old school on her, Michael, by saying, no, 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 because see, I knew you weren't from California. I was going where you're from. See, Michael, see, she from Belize. Okay, how right, Danielle? How long you been here? Listen. It's been about 20 years, okay? Okay, see right there, right there. See, Michael? See, right there, Michael. See, you in Detroit. See, right. when you meet somebody black in Detroit, Chicago, New York City, Boston, when they say, oh, I'm from Boston, you say, no, 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 where are your people from? Because mm -hmm. you know the Negroes weren't actually from there. So you got to go ahead and be real black. No, no, where your people from? And typically when you ask where your people from, that's when you're going to get Mississippi, Arkansas, right. Louisiana, <laughs> right. those places. Tennessee. Like, right. like Brittany, I mean, like Brittany, I know you light skinned, but Brittany, where are you from? <laughs> only, only on my mama's side. Only on my mama's side. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I'm, where, where you, where, I, where, where I, you from? We, we from Georgia and Florida, Fort Pierce, Florida. See right there, right there. See, you live in D.C. right now. Mm-hmm. But you from the South. See that yeah. I, I had a sister when I worked at CNN. What's that? What's that child's name? I'm gonna go ahead and bust up right now. M it was it was a trip. Um, uh, uh, Michael, uh, we were talking, uh, and she I, I detected a very strong accent that was like Southern. I'm like, she said, "No, I'm from Connecticut." I'm like, "No, your ass ain't from <laughs> Connecticut." <laughs> That's where you live now, right? No, right. She, I knew, I knew something was no, no, no. We were in New York, but she kept no, no, no. I'm from Connecticut. I'm like, no, no, no. Your country ass, not from <laughs> Connecticut. The twang, the twang that was way too strong. She was trying to cover it up. So she's in my office. And I was like, where are you from? I'm from Connecticut. No, no. Where are your people from? Well, then she said, right. well, my dad's from Connecticut. I'm like, your dad white, huh? Her dad was white. 
her mama was black. Right. And she said, I said, oh, okay, your dad from Connecticut. I said, where your mama from? Right. Oh, my mama from North Carolina. I said, your ass from North Carolina. And from that point on, that's what I called her, Carolina. That was her name. I called her. I can't, I can't, y'all, I can't even remember what uh, her name was, Christina. I, I'm looking at Christina. Hold up. I'm a Christina work at BET right now. I said, you are behind from, I said, girl, stop it. I'm from uh, Connecticut. I said, you are from California. So that's how we do. That, but that was that was nice California, try, Dania. Uh, Michael, yeah. no. Yes, you know, and, and, California. And, and, Mike, okay, Michael, no, Mike, Mike, Mike well, where are you from? I'm talking about where you were is from it? right now, where you were sitting. So I said, okay, I'm from Cali. Th this is where I'm right. at. This is where I'm seated, okay? Mm -mm. <laughs> right. You know, my family's from Mississippi and Tennessee. So it, when you talk to African Americans, is I mean, it, it, in 1910, 90% of African Americans lived in the South. And now it's a legacy of slavery. So, so it's, it's a good, when you talk to African Americans, there's a good chance their parents or grandparents came from the South. Most of us have that type of Southern connection. Some of us don't want to acknowledge it, but, but it's still there. So that, that, that's, that's, a, that's part of the history of this country. Uh, so I'm just letting y'all know. Uh, so uh, Christi her name is Christine Mons. M-O-N-D-S. Uh, Christine, we worked together at CNN, uh, and she didn't want her to nerve to tell me she was from Connecticut. I'm like, that ain't no Connecticut accent. Uh, and so uh, last we chatted, she worked at BET. So, Christy, I just sent her a text, uh, and I just did a tweet at Carolina. That's what I call it, <laughs> Carolina. All right, y'all. Uh, tomorrow, we, of course, uh, will be uh, at the Texas State Capitol. Uh, we're going to be uh, – the program begins at 10 a.m. local, 11 a.m. Eastern. Uh, but the caravan is going to go from Georgetown, Texas, the 151-car caravan from Georgetown, Texas, all to the state capitol. Uh, we're going to live stream that. My man Mark Thompson is going to be joining. We're making plans. going to be joining us. Uh, he's here in Austin. be joining us tomorrow as well. We'll be set up shop uh, there at the Texas State Capitol, setting up there early. Uh, we literally have been sitting here uh, hiring some additional crew members uh, to help us out. Uh, so Henry and Anthony are here, and so we'll be there uh, doing what we do. We want you all to tune in. Uh, for our coverage. We'll also be bringing in uh, other guests. We, a normal show, we're going to have a completely staffed control room. They'll be back there in our home base as well. Uh, this is a huge, uh, important issue for us, uh, the issue of voting rights. Uh, it has been one that I've covered all my life. In fact, uh, I did not have, I should have run it. Uh, Y'all, I was editing at the last second. Uh, I had a chance uh, to talk with Beto O'Rourke. We were just walking, uh, and we ended up just having a conversation. I was just sharing with him uh, that my parents have, look, they've they worked campaigns. They've been involved in voting efforts. They still work the polls right now. And I think that's the story for many of our people, uh, Brittany, uh, that uh, like that, like Common says in that song, Glory, freedom is like a religion to us. We understand when we've been denied something and voting is one of those things. And so this is why this is important for us. And this is also why uh, I have been calling out other people. Uh, I, to, to my staff, Jackie and Carol, I need y'all to call the brother who's the president of, of HRC. Uh, and I want to find out when is HRC going to have any public demonstrations for voting rights. Black folks stood with them on gay marriage, stood with them become gay adoption, uh, all kind of other stuff, uh, but these are the kind of issues that we need white folks, we need gay folks, Latino folks, Asian folks, because these voting laws affect everybody, not just black people, not just Latinos.
Yeah, absolutely. We, we've got to do so much. And I think, um, you know, the very notion of freedom, I would argue, comes from us and our legacy, right? Because we've never really been free, and freedom is a constant struggle, and we're seeing that right now. And we're going to continue to fight. And you know, even with talking about your 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 folks uh, working the polls, I mean, that's my family story too. And I think that so many of us continuing to fight um, and 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 essentially realize our ancestors' craziest dreams. So. Um, and it's not just us. It, it, this is a this is a moral struggle, and this is a struggle um, that that affects black, brown, yellow. It doesn't really matter. Um, this is something that affects all of us. So, I, I pray that uh, they they kill that filibuster. Um, and and on, on that point, uh, Dania, that that is so important here is that we we are left with no choice because what I keep saying on this show is that the policies that we want to see enacted. We talk about student, uh, student debt relief. Yes, sure, Speaker Nancy Pelosi said uh, President Biden shouldn't do that, but the bottom line is Senator Elizabeth Warren came out and said, no, he actually has the authority. That disproportionately impacts us. We talk about health care. We talk about climate change. We talk about environmental racism. I can go down the line the issues that impact our people. And so we can't just sit here uh, and act like, well, you know, uh, it's all about a voter ID. No, no. What they are doing, what the Republicans are doing, it is not about voting. It's about policy. It's about power. We have to organize and mobilize as though our life depended on it, which it does, right? We have to mobilize as though Trump was still in office. One of the good things, if I could even say good things, that came out of the previous administration is that it forced everybody, even the privileged, right, who had once been shielded under their privilege, to come out and to be on the streets and to mobilize, because for one of the first times, people couldn't ignore the fact that black people were being killed by the police. People couldn't ignore the fact that black and Latino and indigenous people were being disproportionately impacted by this global pandemic, right? Everything happened simultaneously. The fight for racial justice, the fight for us to defund the police, the movement for black lives, the global movement for black lives. And I think we have to bear in mind what Dr. King said in the letter from Birmingham. Dr. King said that he's not worried about the KKK, right? That's not his greatest stumbling block in the fight for freedom. The greatest stumbling block is the white moderate who actually says that I agree with you, but I disagree with the methods that you are taking in your fight for freedom. So our problem is the white moderate, right, where it comes time for election and re-election, and those votes are needed and promises are being made, but when it comes time for the day-to-day -day task of fighting for those who are most marginalized among us, then all of a sudden it's crickets, right? So we say no justice, no peace. There won't be peace until we can ensure that there is voting rights for members of marginalized communities. Those are things that we have to continue to fight for and ensure. And it's not okay to say that we are in support. Actions need to be done right now, not today, yesterday, the day before, months ago, from the time that this administration actually took office to ensure that we have access to the voting rights. That's crucial. Michael M. Hotel, final words. Yeah, brother. You know this is a um, this is a tremendous fight. 
we have to expand those who are involved in the fight. And like, like I said, we have to show how this impacts people across the country, regardless of race, ethnicity, age. And, um, you know, I am wondering, the celebrities that spoke out so voicefully, uh, summer 2020, when people were in the streets protesting regarding the killing of George Floyd, things like this, Brittany talked about it earlier, uh, celebrities have been largely silent on this issue. Uh, now, when it comes time for a presidential campaign, you'll see celebrities uh, speaking out on behalf of a candidate. Well, now we're talking about protecting the uh, right to vote, but it's not just the right to vote, Roland, it's also having your vote counted. Because, see, this is what states like Georgia and Texas are trying to do. They're trying to be able to overturn election results. They're trying to take over Fulton County right now in Georgia. So it's not, it's not just your being able to vote, it's also having your vote counted. So you, yeah, we still have a lot of work to do, brother. But this, this is serious right here. Uh, it absolutely is. All right, y'all. Um, it's uh, it's also serious uh, when we talk about uh, birthdays. Uh, my sister, Levita Martin Marshall, uh, she uh, celebrated her birthday uh, on July. T- First of all, I, I got I got to deal with real quick here. So I don't understand why all these years. We've been having two damn birthdays for my sister. Like, for the longest, there was confusion whether she was born on July 27th or July 28th. So this Negro got us celebrating both days. I'm like, look, damn it, the birth certificate say one date. So it ain't like, like, if you were born on July 27th at 11.59 p.m., you were not born on July 28th. So I don't understand why I'm t- like two cakes and all this nonsense. Go to my iPad. Y'all, show it. No, put a face up there. Put a damn face up there. This photo I took last year, okay? Uh, go, y'all, y'all see my iPad? You're right. That's my sister, Levita. Uh, she the oldest girl in our family. She number three kids. She behind me. Uh, and so, y'all, she just sent me a text. She said, shut up. Uh, she said she celebrate birthday Eve. See how Negroes are? See how Negroes are? Uh, and so... Uh, uh, I'm going to give her age. She's 51 years old. She turned 51. Uh, I told her, pick a day. We ain't doing this two-day stuff anymore. Enough with that. No more two-day stuff, okay? That's it. Pick a day. 27th, 28th, okay? Call a Bureau of Vital Statistics. Get the actual birth certificate. Because I'm tired of having, sitting here on the family group chat looking at Happy Birthday LaVita for two doggone days, okay? <laughs> Enough. <laughs> Enough. All right. All right, y'all. Y'all know how. See, right there. See, there y'all go. There y'all go. First of all, you were not born for a month, okay? You were born on a day. It's a birthday. (laughs) See, y'all take this stuff too damn far with all these. See, what do you mean who said that? Nah, see, I, I, I'm surprised y'all ain't. I'm surprised y'all ain't sitting here celebrating. You know uh, how long y'all, uh, how long your mama was in labor. I, I'm surprised we ain't celebrate. Like, you know, like Francis, I was born November 14th. So clearly, my parents had sex on Valentine's Day. I'm a Valentine's Day. <laughs> do the math. February 14th, November 14th. That's exactly nine months later. 
My brother, Reginald, was born November 13th. He a Valentine's baby, too. In fact, him and his wife, we know they were, they were knocking the boots on Valentine's Day as well because his son was born November 12th. So, look, we can, so I'm surprised y'all ain't c- celebrating, you know, the first, second, third trimester. I mean, come on, y'all, y'all just stop, okay? That's a good idea. One day. Y'all get next. one day. I'll See right there. Right there. I'm so done with y'all. I'm done. I'm done. Okay, all right. So, let, last question. So, that's where y'all from. So, Dania, what's your list sign? I'm a Virgo. Can't you tell? I don't even know what that means. Brittany, what's your sign? I'm a cancer. I don't still know what that means. Michael, what are you? Uh, I'm a Gemini. Ooh. I don't even I don't I, I don't even know. I, I'm just letting y'all right now. I, June. June seventh. I, I, I don't even know. Y'all I black people come up to me talking about, ooh, you a Scorpio. I'm like, what the hell that mean? Like, oh, you this, you that. <laughs> Go on with that. Y'all go on with that. I, I, y'all kill me with them, with all all them signs, signs, wonders, and all and miracles. Okay, gotcha. Y'all, if y'all want to support what we do here at Rolling Martin Unfiltered, the blackest show uh, out here, ain't no show on MSNBC, CNN, Fox, ABC, NBC. See, well, we know ain't no show on Fox that's black. Uh, uh, ABC, CBS, NBC. We blacker than black news channel. So if y'all want to support us, what we do, <laughs> y'all can support us. At, <laughs> I think I woke Henry up. He over here napping on that one. He had laugh at that one. Y'all will support us at Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is uh, R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zell, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. Uh, also, rolling at rollingthismartin.com. If you got a credit card, y'all can go to rollingmartinunfiltered and y'all.com and y'all can support us in terms of what we do. Don't forget tomorrow, we're at the state capitol for the March for Democracy rally. I appreciate it. We always end every show. First of all, Dania, uh, Michael, and Brittany, thank you so very much, y'all. This is Dania's first time. She been uh, sitting here avoiding us like like uh, the Delta variant for the last decade. Uh, then I finally get a DM from her. She was like, okay, I can do your show now. That either means she left a job or she quit a job. One of the two. That's what that means. Uh, but she, she now can publicly talk employed. on our show. Okay, I don't know what I'm saying. You, would, you know, like, I've been asking the sister for like a decade. I've been following her on social media. I'm like, all right, you know what? That would be an interesting perspective on the show. Uh, she's like, okay, I love to do the show seven years later. But it's all good, though, because it ain't like you've been avoiding us like Nancy Pelosi. Y'all, uh, yesterday <laughs> was the one-year anniversary of Nancy Pelosi not doing our show. I sent an email to Stephanie Cherry, who's black, who's her director of media affairs, on July 20th, actually sent to Ashley Etienne, who was in the office, Ashley Ford to Stephanie Cherry. And for the last year, we've been emailing Stephanie, and all we get, Nancy Pelosi unavailable. Every Democratic presidential candidate did our show. Senator Majority Chuck Schumer did our show five times. Clyburn, CBC chairs, numerous members. Nancy Pelosi, she ain't got time no black media. I always see on CNN and MSNBC. 
And the only reason she did Joe Madison show, because Joe, in February, because Joe went on the air and said, I stand with Roland. I've been asking her for years, and she didn't come on. Her staff hurried her on his show two days later. April Ryan, when Nancy got an interview with April Ryan a few weeks right. ago, April right. been trying to get an interview with Nancy Pelosi for two years. She said, Roland, thank you, for because it wasn't, wasn't for you, I wouldn't be getting this interview. And so I'm just letting y'all know and speak of Nancy Pelosi's office, because um, one of my peeps uh, reached out to them, and they said, well, does he think by him calling us out and bullying us, this is going to make us want to interview with him. Well, guess what? Hell, you ain't done want me being nice. <laughs> so, guess what? I'm just going to keep calling y'all out. Because you know what, Nancy? You're going to need black votes if you want to stay Speaker of the House. So I suggest Stephanie Cherry and Drew and, and, and Drew uh, uh, Hamill in the office. I suggest y'all get together, come up with y'all black media plan. Because if y'all don't get black votes, you are going to be the House Minority Leader and not the Speaker of the House. I'm just saying. We always end the show on Friday with our Brina Funk fan club list. Let's roll that thing. I'm going to see y'all tomorrow. We about to get out this heat and go get us some barbecue. Ho! Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.